This morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're looking at the study on the Beatitudes that uh, Jesus uh, begins his famous sermon on the mount with. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 5 this morning, and this uh, blessed are the meek. But I want you to think, have you witnessed someone before that's been maybe even in authority who has uh, just treated someone wrongly, maybe yelled and screamed at them, uh, maybe even at you? I can remember when I was in high school, I had a basketball coach who, uh, excellent basketball coach in the sense that he knew the game. He could outcoach any other coach and team we would play against. But he was one of those guys that he would yell and scream like, crazy at you, not just for just get people fired up, but he'd grab a hold of you and call you an idiot, and he's shaking you, and I remember one time he's got a hold of my shoulders, and he's shaking at me, and he's yelling and screaming, he's like, Taylor, you didn't, and I'm like, I already knew what I did wrong, and someone throws a towel that hits me in the shoulder, and they're like, coach, quit spitting on him, and uh, the coach is uh, throwing chairs, all kinds of crazy stuff, and uh, a guy who uh, uh, was not gentle at all with us. And to think about others and how we respond to people is something we need to think about today. That even in the church, we can respond wrongly. In the church that I was at, uh, serving at, I was sitting in the front row. A man got up to make an announcement for a men's Bible study. Great thing that the men need to be involved with. And for the next uh, few minutes, he began to attack the men and tell them, you guys are spiritually weak, wimp, wimpy men. You can't. And he went off and on. And I'm like, I'm ready to stand up and say something when he ended. And so after the service, a few men came to me as soon as we were done, said, hey, if that guy gets up again, I'm out of this church. And I went to the man. I said, hey. I just want to talk to you about your announcement today. And I said, hey, you weren't uh, very gentle with him. And you're a, a leader in the church. And according to First Timothy, one of the qualifications to be a leader in that position is that you're gentle. Well, his excuse for yelling and screaming at everyone was, well, it's in my nature. It's part of my ethnicity. And I'm from New York City. And that was his, that was his excuses for him to attack people. But again, have you been attacked by others? Do you, have you seen other people uh, wrongly treated by other people, maybe even in authority? Uh, it'd be one thing for me to say, hey, uh, church, I'm a sinner. And then to come down after the service and one of you come up and say, pastor, you're a sinner. And me like punch you just because I can't uh, handle it. Uh, that's not how we are to be as believers. That God calls all believers to be meek. A word that may not be something that we use all the time, but it says blessed are the meek or blessed are the gentle. Here's the big idea as we look at Matthew 5 this morning. The big idea is this. An eternal glorious kingdom is inherited by all who have the meekness of Christ. If you look with me at Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, here's what Jesus says. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of God. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you. We ask that you would work in our hearts. We ask that you would reveal your truth to us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us to have understanding, that we would know how to apply this in our life, that we would examine our hearts and ask, are we meek, gentle, like Jesus? Father, would you uh, work on the hearts of those who are here who may not uh, know you as Lord and Savior? Would you save your people today and uh, cause us to grow in you? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we look at the Beatitudes the last few weeks, what we've seen is that these characteristics, all eight of them, are not eight different Christians. They're not eight different people. It's not something that is just some moral right thing to do in our nation or in our world. What it is, is the believer has all eight of these characteristics as part of their life if they are a Christian, if they are someone who has faith in Christ. And so we've been looking at this word blessed, or it says blessed are the meek. Your version may say happy or blessed are the gentle or happy are the gentle. The blessing comes in the second half of each of these beatitudes we've been looking at. So let's look at this first point. Happy are the meek or maybe your version says gentle. Blessed are the gentle. The verse says blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Meek people are blessed people. People who are gentle are happy people. They are blessed people according to the word of God. But how many, t- how, how many times in your lifetime have you ever heard someone say, that's a meek person? Maybe a few times. It's not a word we use all the time in our language, right? Now, if I said, how many of you heard someone say that that person is gentle? You might go, okay, I've heard that. Those people are gentle with those kids or they're gentle with that animal. But to think about what does it truly mean to be meek or gentle uh, according to what Jesus says? Because this word here that means that meek, it also means gentle. Uh, Sometimes people think of someone who's meek as they're a weak person or they're easily influenced. Uh, They're someone who's submissive. And that's not what Jesus is pointing out. It's a very different and deeper word. So the question we asked this morning is what is Christian meekness? Not meekness or gentleness by the world standard, but what is Jesus standard for meekness or gentleness? And here's a few things. Meekness is not weakness in the sense that someone who is meek, that is blessed because they're meek, is someone who is gentle, they're humble, they're considerate, they're lowly in heart. But the deeper meaning would be this. Someone who has power and has authority over others and can do harm, but they choose not to when they're attacked. You ever been attacked before by anyone? I mean, not just physically, but verbally attacked. You ever been mocked, made fun of? I mean, maybe some of us have to go back to junior high and think about how how brutal are we to each other when we're in like elementary and junior high and high school? I mean, the things that are said, I mean, man, I got enemies back in the school days there. But to think that you may be a person who has power and authority and you do not exercise that because of someone coming against you. We're called to be meek towards God. And we're called to be meek towards other people. So how are you meek towards God? You might say, what do you mean? How am I supposed to be meek and gentle towards God? 
We studied this in the book of Ephesians that in the Word of God we have God's will. And I believe one of the ways that Christians that we do not regard God in a gentle way or be meek towards Him is to take His will and try to make it to bend to our will. And so we're not obedient to the Word of God or we change what we think just so it fits there. And I think that may be one reason why many Christians struggle to read the Word of God because we don't want to, we don't want to be obedient to His will. We'd rather God's will fit to ours. So how can we be meek towards God? How can we be gentle towards him as it calls here? Would be to be people who are obedient to him and to be following after his will and to put him uh, higher than ourselves. But how about meekness towards others? I think that's really the challenge for us today. Um, to not be quick to anger, to not be quick to get people back, to hurt other people. Um, I don't know about you, but have you ever taken revenge on someone before because of what they did to you? It's hard not to say something or do something when you're treated wrongly. If you turn to James chapter 3, James speaks of a weapon that you have, every single one of us have, which is a powerful weapon that we can um, use wrongly. It has, it's, it's in our mouth. It's our tongue. Any of, you, any of you ever had any problems with your mouth before? Any of, you ever, any of you ever said that thing or even today texted or emailed that thing? You're like, oh, I wish I would not have sent that. I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I could take that back. Uh, I, 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 we have, we've only been here 10 months, but I hear that fire season is coming. I'm praying that fire season is not going to be here in August. But here's what the Bible says about our tongues and how powerful they are. James chapter 3 verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And I think about fires in Southern California where I'm from, that like just small sparks that set off just thousands and thousands of acres of, of home, uh, homes and forests that were burnt because of just one small spark. It says in verse 9 of James 3, with our tongues, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. You ever struggled with your mouth? You ever been quick to get people back? You ever let things fly out of your mouth because of the anger in your heart? We're called to be people who are meek, who are gentle, and respond as Jesus would respond to other people. A meek Christian is someone who is self-controlled and they're not controlling or prideful. So what are some examples? Well, some examples of people who are meek. You can go to the Bible, go to the Old Testament. A man named Moses, a guy who murdered someone and he ran and, and, and left. And God calls him, says, you're going to lead my people Israel. And Moses had every reason under the sun. God, not me, not me. I can't speak, can't do these things or whatever. And so God calls Moses and he leads the nation of Israel. And he leads them out of Egypt and through the wilderness. And the people constantly are attacking him verbally. They're constantly going after him. At one point, he loses his self-control and strikes a rock. And he sins against what God wanted him to do. God says, you can't enter the promised land. And in all that, he never responded in a way that is opposite than the man who is meek in Christ. And actually, in the book of Numbers, it says that Moses was like the meekest man, the gentlest man. Another guy named Joseph, you read in Genesis, his brothers sold him into slavery. And he ends up in Egypt eventually, where he's second in command 
underneath the Pharaoh and his brothers show up and he could have just said, hey, not only take them away to prison, but just kill them. He had the power to do that. But instead, he tells his brothers, hey, it was God's will for me to be here. And he responds to them with gentleness and in love. You know, King David, King David in the Old Testament, one of the greatest kings of Israel. Um, there was a king that was before King David. Anyone know his name? King Saul. Now, King Saul fell out of favor with God in the sense and his position. And God said, hey, I've got another king that's going to take your place. And so Saul begins to chase after David through the wilderness. And he had David came across opportunities to physically kill Saul because he was the next king. And he says, I won't raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. He wouldn't let his soldiers kill off Saul. Yet, he, And so he has this power that he restrained. And you see the meekness in David. We can look at those examples. You could probably point out people in this world that you know are gentle and meek and, and, they're, and they're good people. But really, the question you need to ask, if you are a Christian this morning, where does your meekness come from? Our meekness comes from Jesus Christ. That's who we receive our weakness from in the sense that as a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ in us, and that's where our meekness comes from. So let me ask you this. Was Jesus gentle? Yes, no? Was Jesus meek? Did Jesus ever get angry? Man, you got the good yes on that one. We like the righteous anger one, right? Yes, he did get angry, but he was also gentle. He was meek and sets the example for us and also empowers us to be meek people. So think about some of these descriptions about Jesus. Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So Jesus, if you don't know, Jesus is God. And therefore, God Almighty comes to this earth to save us, and He has all the power in the instant to, to say, let there be light and create the world, and yet He has self-control and restrains His power when He's being attacked. In Luke chapter um, 27, the Roman guards, they take Jesus, He's already been arrested, they flog Him, then they put a robe on Him, they take a crown of what? thorns, shove it on his head, and then take a stick and, sh and smack him on the head with it. And they all kneel down before him and they mock him and say, hey, O king of the Jews. I mean, this is God. He could just like in an instant take them out. In John chapter 18, John pointing to Jesus being God in verses 5 through 8, it talks about how they come to arrest Jesus. He's with his disciples in the garden. And they say, who, and he says, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am he. And they literally fall back down because this is God Almighty speaking to them. And he does not fight them. Actually, when Peter pulls out his sword and cuts off uh, uh, one of the ears of a servant that's there, you know, Jesus is like, hey, put that away. He says, I'm not about those things. And he quietly went with the soldiers as he was taken away for an illegal trial in the middle of the night and beaten and mocked and spit upon and had his beard ripped out. And on and on it went, leading him to the cross. In Matthew 26, he tells them in verse 53, Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? Do you remember in the garden that Jesus prayed three times, Father, if there's any other way, what? 
take this away from me. He's like, here, hey, I just call on the Father. He'll send the angels. We could end this right now. But Jesus was meek and gentle and went according to the will of God and went to the cross. In Luke 23, they're, they're, they're mocking him. They're scoffing at Jesus. They're like, hey, if he's the Christ of God, the chosen one, he's like, hey, they're like, hey, then save yourself if you're the king. I mean, it's hard to put yourself in Jesus's shoes in the sense of hanging there and you're hearing this rejection and the mocking that's going on. And so he had all the authority uh, and power to do something about it, but he restrained it because of his great love for us. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 describes not only this great love for us, but this humility that we see in Jesus. And humility leads to meekness. And therefore, if we humble ourselves as God has called us to, meekness will be something that comes from that. And it says in Philippians 2 verse 5 about Christ's humility. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now listen to this. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is not only God, but he's king. He's Lord. And to think that the word of God says that we're born sinners and enemies of him. And the fact that he would love us so greatly that he would not only die on the cross, but when we believe in him and place our faith in him, that he forgives us and he adopts us as his children. is just astounding. But Jesus is the one who sets the example for us to be meek Therefore, being blessed. And so we must look to Jesus. And not only to look to his example, but know that Christ dwells in us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. Therefore, meekness dwells in us. In Colossians 1, it says the hope of glory is in us. Therefore, if you say, I'm just not a meek person, I have no gentleness or meekness in me, you need to ask the question, am I a Christian? You might say, how dare you say that, Pastor? No, it's reality here because the Beatitudes are evidence of the life of the Christian. Galatians chapter 5 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And when you read Galatians 5 and you read Matthew chapter 5, they're a picture of the Christian life, and you have all of those. You don't pick and choose. Therefore, if you say you're not meek and you're not gentle, then you have to ask, am I a Christian? Because Christ dwells in us and that's where our meekness comes from. Doesn't mean that you have perfect meekness or perfect gentleness. And we have something that we, uh, in the word of God called sanctification, in which it means we're not there yet. That God's constantly growing us in spiritual maturity. Therefore, you can grow in meekness. You can grow in gentleness. But you can't say, I just don't have it as a Christian. All Christians have meekness in some form, in some way, through Jesus Christ. 
Again, think back to Jesus and the examples. When the children were wanting to come to Jesus, the disciples were stopping them. Remember that? They're like, oh, no, you can't come to Jesus. Jesus has church work to do. You know, get your kids out of here. And he's like, no, let the children come to me. I'm like picturing Jesus with the kids sitting on his lap. They're sitting around him, listening to him teach. He was known as as being gentle. He said he was gentle and lowly in heart. And to think about that and to think about we're called to live that out. What do we do about our favorite people in life? Our enemies. Any of you ever had an enemy before? Got anyone on your back right now presently? Those people who are constantly attacking you in this world, the people verbally, maybe it's someone from the past, it's already gone, but right now you're like, oh, I'm angry right now because of that person. What is the word of God? Actually, what does Jesus say we are to do to our enemies? To love our enemies. You're like, no way. Loving our enemies is a sign of that meekness of Christ in us. Actually, in Matthew 5, verse 43, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I mean, I'm supposed to do good to those who are my enemies? I'm supposed to do good to those who have treated me wrongly. This is in no way saying that if you're being abused or being attacked, you just sit underneath it and keep taking it. No, there is a way that you respond, though, uh, to um, our enemies. And that can be a very difficult thing. Proverbs 25, verse 21 and 22. It says, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Have you ever found it hard to forgive someone? You ever had that person come to your mind and like, man, no way, I can't forgive them. They did this to me. I meet people all the time that will say, I can forgive these people, but this person wronged me when I was a kid and did this. I can't forgive those people. It's not saying that you're like, okay, what they did was okay or what they're doing now is okay. No, there's a call to forgive. And that may be one of the hardest struggle for you if you're a Christian and say, hey, I'm supposed to be meek and gentle. One of those ways is forgiving other people. Matthew 18, Jesus says basically, hey, when, they, when he's asked how many times should I forgive someone, uh, he's like, basically, you forgive them always. You're like, no way. And true forgiveness keeps no record of wrong. If you've truly forgiven someone, it's not a thing of bringing it back up against them on, you know, years or months later. Forgiveness is a part of this meekness that we're called to live out. Who is it that you need to forgive? Some people have bitterness in their life because they just cannot forgive. So Jesus is our example for being meek people and we've looked at what it means to be meek and so the second point is the promise for the meek and we like this part in the Beatitudes we always like the second half because it's like it says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted blessed are the meek for they shall what inherit the earth I'm going to go you might go what does this mean inherit the earth well 
If you go back to a couple weeks ago where we started, I said, pay attention when you're reading through the Gospels. Jesus repeatedly talks about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Here he says that you shall inherit the earth or as he said in the poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven. So what does it mean to be blessed because you're meek and inherit the earth? When you think of our earth today and you think of our world and think of other countries, there's a constant battle for people to control the world, right? That's why we have wars. That's why we have battles going on. That's why when you take a history class in school, you read about all the different nations that have risen up and tried to control and, and dominate the world. You might say, what does this mean to inherit the, the world? I mean, think for a minute about our earth. If you didn't know this, our earth is a fallen world. That our world, that that God spoke into existence. And in Genesis, it says that he said it was perfect. And it's just beautiful and glorious. And there's no sin and no problems. That sin has contaminated this world to the point that the book of Genesis tells us. It's not a myth, not a story, but that this world suffered a worldwide flood. That to the top of the mountains, that they were covered to the highest point because of sin. To think that this world, I mean, I've been here 10 months now in Montana. And for 18 years, we would save up our vacation to come to Montana. It's a beautiful place. I love, we were on the Blackfoot River the other day. And I'm just like, this is amazing. And I'm like, it's not the Los Angeles concrete jungle that I was living in, looking at buildings. But I'm like, wait a minute. God says he's going to renew this earth. What does that mean? Because I'm like, this is glorious what I'm seeing now. But to imagine the most beautiful place you've ever been on earth and to understand that it's fallen and that it's not perfect. And God's word said he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. It's like, whoa, what would that be like? Our inheritance, the blessing for the meek, is inheriting the earth. Or if you go back a couple of verses, the kingdom of God. And so we must be reminded that as a Christian, one who has the beatitude of meekness in them is one who will not only be with Christ for all eternity, but as we've seen the last few weeks, the word of God points out that the Christian who's adopted by God is royalty, a son and daughter of the king, and will reign with Jesus for eternity. That changes the picture. In a perfect place where you reign with Jesus for eternity is a wonderful blessing and the inheritance set before us. In Jesus Christ, we are victorious in this world because he's overcome the world. If you see in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, here's what it... 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Again, if you do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, if He's not your Lord and Savior, then you are not meek, and you're not a Christian, and you're not blessed. If you're a Christian, then you are meek and you, and you do believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you are blessed. Matthew chapter 19, a number of places in the New Testament that point about a new heavens and new earth. Matthew chapter 19 tells us that, there, that there's a renewal or a regeneration of this new world. And if you go to 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 13, it tells us, 
But according to his promise, we are waiting for the new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Now, there's all kinds of uh, ways that different Christians interpret scripture and look at about the new heavens, new earth. What does that mean when you read where things are going to get burnt up or whatever? Is God going to just obliterate the earth or whatever? Or is he just going to make it renewed like he did when he first created it? We don't know. We just know that there will be a new heaven. There will be a new earth. We've got this new Jerusalem. We have this picture of heaven. And so you need to read Revelation chapter 21 and 22. Two weeks ago, we ended our time. I just briefly pointed out a few things of it. But go read Revelation 21 and 22. It speaks about what we will inherit as those who are blessed because they are meek. Have you ever had any chaos in your life? Any of you living in the chaos now? It tells us there is no more chaos. No more chaos when God makes the new heavens and new earth. It actually says that God dwells with man. We already have the Holy Spirit of God. God dwells in our hearts now. But this picture of being in the presence of God for eternity is just something that's hard to imagine. How many of you have ever uh, had, you think back to when you were a kid, you fall down or hurt yourself and you got the tears streaming down your face and a parent or a teacher or someone takes their shirt or something, they wipe off the tears off your eyes. The Word of God says there's no more tears. Imagine that. No more tears. It says that there's no more death. How many people have you lost this year? Family and friends. How many people in this room will not be here with us next year because they're suffering a disease or because of something that happens? Death happens every day in this world. And we mourn and grieve over friends and loved ones. Those who die as believers and those who die as non-believers. And it says in Revelation 21, 22, no more death, no more dying. It says no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. Everything is new. There's nothing unclean ever to enter into this place. And what is awesome is it says in Revelation 21, 22, that there's no temple. There's no place of worship there. You don't come to a building. You don't go to some holy place because it says that Jesus resides with his people, the temple of God. And and there's this wonderful picture of living with God and God living with us and praising his name forever. How about no more night? I don't know about you, but I have some children who are afraid of the dark at night. They want you to make sure that you walk with them to get to their room and the lights are out. Or maybe you've been outside by yourself and you think you hear those things and nighttime is just scary. There's all kinds of bad things that happen at night. There's no more darkness or night in, in, in this new heavens and new earth. It says the glory of God. There's no sun, there's no moon, there's no need for it because the glory of God lights up everything. And in Revelation 22, it says in verse 5 that God's people will reign forever and ever. Church, if you are blessed because of the meekness that you have in Christ, that's the type of inheritance set before you. And you may think, well, that's in the future. But don't forget Ephesians chapter 1, that the spiritual blessings are now. 
You have those things now. And you might go, this is hard to understand. I have it now and in the future. Yes, that's what God's word says because Jesus is ruling and reigning now and he will return and everything will be brought to account before God Almighty. And there will be the new heaven and the new earth. And so our inheritance is not just this picture of inheriting a physical earth. It's inheriting Christ, the victory in Christ, and the assurance and the hope that we have in Him and that we're able to see and be a part and the glory of God ruling and reigning as His royal family forever. That is what we inherit. So some of you might go, okay, this is great. I still struggle with being meek and gentle. So what you need to do is the third thing I put on there. You need to pray. Pray for meekness. You need to pray that God would continue to make you meek and gentle like Christ. Again, it doesn't mean to be weak. It doesn't mean to um, be some wimpy person because Jesus got angry and he got righteously angry. And remember when Jesus went into the temple and he cleansed the temple as it's called? Actually, he did it at the beginning of his ministry and he did it a second time. At one of those accounts, he actually made a whip before he went into the place. And as he overturned tables and chased people out of there, he still never sinned. But it was there was righteous anger in him because of the house of God being turned into a place of thieves and robbers. But yet he never sinned. And you could see him at that point being a strong man who went to the cross and bore it all for you. And yet at the same time, he's gentle and lowly in heart and meek. And that's who we are to be if we are in Christ. How will you respond this week when other people attack you? Those family members, those friends, the bosses, the schoolmates, the people in your neighborhood, the, the people before you. How will you respond to people when they come against you. Sometimes it's your closest family members and how you respond calls for a gentle response and yet those flames come flying out of your mouth. That anger takes over. So pray for meekness. And I'd say this last thing for anyone in this room that are here today that if you're not blessed because you're meek and the opposite would say this cursed are the proud for they shall not inherit the kingdom of God if you're here and you are not meek in Christ and you don't have faith in Christ then you will not inherit the kingdom of God and first Corinthians says this in chapter 6 verse 9 and 10 or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God do not be deceived Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that's quite a serious statement. Jesus throughout the gospel speaks of hell many times. The New Testament letters repeatedly talk about and warn people that if you reject Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your inheritance for all eternity is hell and eternal damnation. But our world doesn't want to accept that or believe that. But that's the truth and that's the reality. So if you're here and you're like, man, I need Jesus, call out to him as we were singing that song earlier. Ask him to forgive you. 
Give thanks that he died on the cross in your place for your sins, that he was willing to shed his blood to bear the wrath of the Father because of your sins and say, Father, save me. Jesus, I believe in you. You not only died, but you rose again and trust him for salvation. As the worship team comes forward this morning, for those of you who are believers, I want to encourage you to pray and ask the Lord to help you grow in meekness. As we sing in this next song, you're going to, if you would like prayer this morning, uh, I just want to encourage you to go to the back of the room here, Pastor Sean and some of our elders and some of the men and women who said, hey, I'll be willing to pray with people. You don't even have to go tell them the whole story. Maybe you just need to go to them and say, hey, would you pray for me right now for meekness, for gentleness? That's why they're going to be there. Father, I ask that in this moment together that you would continue to work in our hearts, that you would receive the praise from our lips. Jesus, we want to be responding to others um, in love, but we also want to respond with a meekness of heart, a gentleness of heart. Help us to grow in that area this morning. Father, we pray that for any who are far off, that today they call out to you as Savior and that you would save them. Father, receive the praise from our lips. In Jesus' name, amen.